Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Jack Disney Show, the show where we talk about everything film, comics, and, of course, Disney. I'm your host, Jack Disney. On today's episode of the Jack Disney Show podcast, I will be giving my thoughts on the latest Marvel series, Loki. Now, this will be a spoiler-free review, uh, and then the second part of this will uh, go into some of the spoilers. But uh, first off, overall thoughts. This show is really good. Easily uh, high up there for in terms of best Marvel stuff. Um, maybe it cracks the top ten. Uh, I might have to rewatch it a few more times to really decide that. But this show is really good. Um, even better than WandaVision, actually. And, and even better than... It's definitely better than all the other shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that. Um, slightly better than Agent Carter Season 1. And way, way better than Falcon Winter Soldier. I couldn't even get through three episodes of that. Uh, but this show is really good. And for those of you who need a brief refresher, it basically follows the the time travel stuff from Avengers Endgame, where they created a split timeline following Thor and the first Avengers film, where Loki escapes with the Tesseract. And so this short shows what happened to that Loki. And it's a very different Loki, because this Loki has only gone through the events of Thor, and Avengers, not Thor the Dark World or Ragnarok or any of that. And so when we catch up with him, it's like that evil Loki once again. And so it's really fun seeing him as that version of the character again. And he has a redemption arc, just like in the films, but it's a very different kind of redemption arc. And they do it in a very different way that feels fresh and new, but also somewhat familiar. And Tom Hiddleston gives a great performance as this uh, variant Loki to where, honestly, I'd say he's a better character than the original Loki at certain points. Um, especially since the best part of the original Loki was probably his sacrifice in Thor the Dark World, which was undone by the end of that film. Uh, although he w- his moment in Avengers Infinity War was really great. Um, it, truly some of the best stuff that they, they've done with Loki in the MCU. But we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um... There's also Owen Wilson plays this character named Mobius, who's um, this worker at the TVA who's assigned to Loki. And it sort of becomes a buddy cop kind of thing for a while. And their banter is great. Owen Wilson gives a great performance as Mobius. Um, and yeah, I think he was a great addition to the MCU. I would have never thought, you know, Owen Wilson MCU, but I mean, he gives a great performance. I really hope that we see more of his character uh, in the future. Now, I'll talk about the rest of the cast later because of spoilers and stuff. Um, but overall, the show is really cool. The TVA is really interesting. So that's a group of time police, essentially. They exist outside of time. And their whole thing is there's the one timeline. And anytime someone does something they're not supposed to and creates a separate timeline, the TVA has to go in and fix that before it creates a multiversal war. And I think the lore behind the multiverse and everything in the show is really interesting, especially to someone like me who's really into all the multiverse stuff. Um, I think it's really interesting, and it's an interesting way to set the stage for all the multiverse stuff going forward with Doctor Strange 2 and possibly Spider-Man 3 uh, with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield showing up. Uh, So yeah, I think they did a really cool job with that. And the TVA itself has a very 1970s style to it. It's really interesting, and it's very different than any other group we've seen, such as S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, before in the MCU. And there's also like a scary feel to them. Like, 
you know they're hiding something, and it's just the mystery behind it's really fun uh, to watch. Now, while the show doesn't have a ton of action, it's a lot of just people sitting and talking. Granted, though, it's some great acting and some well-written dialogue. Uh, when the action does happen, it's really, really cool. Uh, some scenes that come to mind is the opening of episode two, where they play the song Holding Out for a Hero uh, to someone beating up a bunch of TVA agents. It's a really cool scene, and it really sticks with you the way they use that music in the scene. Uh, one of the better needle drops uh, of the MCU. Now, I wouldn't say it's as good as the use of that song in Shrek 2, because that scene was just magnificent. But this is pretty close. It's a really cool use of that song. Uh, then in episode 3, you have the scene on the train, the the fight scene, and that was really cool. Um, and then there's, there's some cool action scenes uh, in episode 4. So yeah, a lot of great action uh, in this show. Very uh, visceral fights. And it feels uh, some, somewhat grounded and realistic, so that's pretty cool. But also, it's crazy time travel stuff. So they did a good job balancing that. Uh, the humor in this show is really good. I love the banter between Mobius and Loki. It's really funny, but also some great emotional acting. Um, and then there's some great visual humor in Episode 5. Uh, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And that was just such a great moment. Um the, the music in the show, as I already mentioned, there's some great needle drops in the show. Um, so that's really cool. And then the score itself is really cool and really exciting. And it really just sets the stage. Once that theme music plays, you know you're in for something special. Uh, so I really did enjoy the music in the show. Um, yeah, overall, those are my spoiler-free thoughts on Loki. It's a very great show. Uh, I'd give it an 8.5 out of 10. While there's some cheesy dialogue and it can be a bit slow at times. Overall, it's a really amazing series. I would highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I would recommend you binge it uh, in one or two settings because you, you won't want to stop. It, it's a really exciting series. Um, so yeah, 8.5 out of 10. Great show. All right, so if you have not seen the show, this is when you should click away because I will be going into some spoilers here. All right. Last warning, spoilers, three, two, one. All right, so let's talk about Sylvie. Now, I thought St Sylvie's story was very well done, and I liked how they didn't give too much away about her backstory. Obviously, we know she's some sort of female Loki, but we don't really know how, and I think they're leaving some setup there for uh, season two. My concern was that they were going to have it be like, Loki just turned into a girl, and then you, there's all sorts of inappropriate directions that you could take that in that I was concerned about going into the show, uh, hearing the rumors of Lady Loki and all that. Uh, but I was very pleased that they didn't do any of that. Uh, it showed her as a little girl, so I assume in this world, like, Loki was just born as a girl and was maybe named Sylvie instead of Loki. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting, uh, an interesting take on the character. And I liked how it was a mix of Lady Loki from the comics, um, but also the Enchantress. It, it sort of took, there's this character in the comics named Enchantress. Her real name is Amora. Uh, but then there's another version who is named Sylvie and is implied to be a, created by Loki. And they sort of took the original Enchantress, like her personality and everything, the Enchantress that's named Sylvie, and then Lady Loki, and sort of put it all together into one character. 
And this is something that the Marvel movies have done before. You know, for instance, there's um, Ego in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. They took um, Jason, I think is his name, um, Star-Lord's dad in the comics. They took Ego, the living planet, and a couple other characters and sort of put them together as this original. And I think they did a great job with... As I talked about earlier, Mobius is a great side character. So sad we never got to see him on his jet ski. Hopefully, we'll see that in Season 2. Now, what's interesting is, if you watch the finale, uh, major, major spoilers, they don't remember any of the events because it's all been erased by the He Who Remains. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so I'm interested to see, is this a different Mobius, or is this the same Mobius, and his memory's been changed? And will his memory, like, of this story be restored by the end and hopefully the season two finale ends with him on his jet ski we have just got to see that now uh all right alternate loki's now oh boy when i saw the post-credit scene of episode four i was going nuts this was insane seeing all these different versions of loki was really cool um you got someone named boastful loki i don't really know what the origin is there but then you got uh, kid Loki, and for those of you who don't know, in the comics, Loki uh, was killed at one point. I think I believe this was in like the mid two thousands. Uh, Loki was killed and then was reborn as a young boy. And then by the time the movies had come out, they aged him up a bit so that instead of being an old man and then a kid, he was now like he appears to be in his thirties, so around the same age as Tom Hiddleston, uh, to make him appear more like him in the comics. Um, but yeah, that was a long storyline that they did with Loki in the comics, so it was neat to see a nod to it here. Uh, and then, you, of course, you got Gator Loki. The best moment of the entire show um, was seeing Gator Loki. I would argue he's the new baby Yoda. He's the new baby Groot. Uh, just hilarious. And what's great, too, is that he had like the Loki smirk and everything, even though he was an alligator. Uh, so that was really funny. And the moment he bit off the President Loki's hand, that was just so hilarious. Speaking of President Loki, another comics homage. That was really cool. And then all the other Lokis who were with him, uh, all their unique designs and everything. I thought that was really cool. Now, obviously, the best part of this episode was Thrawn. Uh, for those of you who didn't notice, the scene where they're going down the elevator or whatever, and you see in the ground there's a jar and it has a frog version of Thor in it, who's actually voiced by Chris Hemsworth. So he had a little cameo in this show. Uh, and for those of you who haven't read the comics, um, in the comics, Loki turned Thor into a frog at one point. I believe this was even referenced in Thor Ragnarok. Uh, but that was a really funny reference. Uh, and as someone who grew up watching the old cartoons where he would turn into that, I really enjoyed that. I was laughing hysterically, and the best part was that no one knew what I was laughing at because no one saw it. So, you know, that was that was a pretty hilarious moment in the show. Uh, but yeah, the real best part of this episode, though, was classic Loki. Now, this Loki is much older. He's played by Richard E. Grant, which is perfect casting. Uh, and he has, like, the outfit that Loki has in the comics, the bright green and yellow and all that. Now, what they reveal about this is that even though he looks like the Loki from the comics and everything, he's actually meant to be an older version of the MCU Loki. What they say is that in Infinity War, in his timeline, Infinity War happened exactly the same. And Loki confronted Thanos and then was killed by Thanos. But what happened was 
it turned out that Loki was actually an illusion that he created that and Thanos like killed a fake Loki and the real Loki was hiding in the debris in the background of the scene. And what's so funny about this is that when the movie came out, many fans, myself included, had this theory that within the degree the debris, you can see Loki hiding in the background. Obviously that was all fake and everything. Uh, but I loved how they took this funny fan theory and made it canon in a sort of way. And what it reveals is that Loki, um, hid on a planet for years and years um, and started to miss Thor. And when he took a step to like leave the planet, the TVA showed up and pruned him. Now, what I find interesting about that is it took them so long to prune him. So I wonder if his Nexus event was just stepping in the wrong direction and not existing. Because what if in the real MCU, Loki is actually still alive and the TVA was lying or just didn't know? I think that'd be really interesting. I think they purposely left the door open uh, to maybe have the real Loki come back in the MCU and be played by Richard E. Grant. Uh, I think that would be really cool. And I really liked his arc in this episode. Uh, it was really... He, he probably went through the most character development in this episode and ultimately sacrificed himself at the end so that they could get to uh, the man in charge. And I really liked that moment. It was a great scene. Uh, and easily the best part of the show. Now, we got to talk about He Who Remains. Oh, boy. All right, so there's just there's so much to break down here that I may end up having to do a separate podcast for it. Uh, but for now, I want to briefly touch upon everything uh, regarding He Who Remains. Obviously, none of this will make sense if you haven't seen episode six. Uh, I would recommend go watching. So, first off, let's talk about the scene itself. So, Jonathan Majors played He Who Remains. And his performance, I thought, was just amazing. It was a great blend of Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka and um, The Wizard of Oz. And it was definitely meant as an homage to both of those. And I mean, uh, his performance was really great, too. Sort of like whimsical kind of um, kind of crazy, but really fun to watch. And then just his that moment when they cross the threshold and they go into beyond the end of time, his reaction and his acting was just so, so good. Um, probably best part of the show besides classic Loki. Um, he, he just gave such a great performance and really stole the show to where now I think if you think about Loki, you're going to think about this character. Uh, who only showed up in the last 30 minutes of this six-hour story. Uh, but I, I think that's that's really cool that they were able uh, to do something like that. And now, of course, Jonathan Majors, the actor that played him, was recently announced a few months ago that he would be playing the villain of Ant-Man and the Wasp 3, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And that character is Kang the Conqueror. Now, for those of you who have never heard of Kang the Conqueror, let me just kind of give you a brief explanation. He's, he's a very confusing but interesting character in Marvel as he's a time traveler, and he's lived countless different lives, and there's a Council of Kang in the comics, and there's seven different like primary versions from different points in his life that are prominent characters in the Marvel Universe. Of course, you have Kang himself, but at one point before he became Kang uh, in the 30th century, he went back to ancient Egypt and lived a life as Rama Tut, and he fought the Avengers as the Silver Centurion. 
And then he caused an alternate universe version of himself to become Iron Lad as a kid. So this was meant to be an adaptation of the character named Immortus. Uh, we know this because of the outfit he was wearing, but also what his goal is. While not a hero, Immortus, who's like a much older version of King in the comics, is and he, he's often called the good king compared to, say, the other kings. And he still wants to control all time, and he lives at the end of time, just like in Loki. Um, but there's also He Who Remains, who was sort of combined with him. But regardless, that's the version that the MCU drew inspiration from. Um, and as he mentioned, there are multiple different kings in the MCU. Multiple versions of himself, I guess. And there's one who's more evil than all of them. And at the end of this episode, they... Uh, obviously, Sylvie kills him. And man, that scene was so heartbreaking and yet so, so good. The the fight between them and then her killing him, just so well executed. Uh, I almost cried. That, that whole episode was just amazing. Uh, but then, of course, at the end of the episode, you see the statue of Kang um, setting him up for future stories. I think they're setting up Kang to be the future, like the new Thanos almost. Um, how you set him up for multiple movies. He's going to be showing up in Ant-Man and the Wasp, obviously, as the villain. Uh, I'm sure he'll play a major role in Loki Season 2. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if we get a cameo in Doctor Strange 2. Uh, I, I really think they're building him up to be the next Thanos. And then maybe Avengers 5, you get some big time travel war kind of movie with Avengers from maybe multiple different time periods all uniting to defeat King. I think that would be really, really cool. Uh, that's what I would do if I were them. Uh, but yeah, that, that's essentially a breakdown of Kang. Uh, I'm really excited to see him in future MCU projects. I really enjoyed this episode. And I also enjoyed how the season, even though it wrapped up everything, it left some loose ends for season two. And I'm, I'm really excited for season two. I'm curious what's going to happen with Mobius, what's going to happen with Sylvie, uh, what the whole deal is with Kang. And then also something we forgot to talk about I forgot to mention in this episode, uh, but Ravona Renslayer, who in the comics is Kang's love interest. I wonder where she went. Did she go to the future? Is she with Kang now? All this hopefully will be answered in Loki season two or in Ant-Man the Wasp three, whichever one comes out first. Uh, and I could not be more excited. So Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Jack Disney Show, the show where we talk about everything film, comics, and, of course, Disney. I'm your host, Jack Disney. On today's episode of the Jack Disney Show podcast, I will be giving my thoughts on the latest Marvel series, Loki. Loki. 